0: The answer to the question everyone was asking, who was going to walk Meghan Markle down the aisle, was answered. And that answer, Prince Charles. Meanwhile, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are proving that expansion teams can be good and can maybe win their championship in their first year as they are on the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the image of a 30-year-old man who was evicted by court by his parents and the very, very, very sad interview that it led to. All those stories were pretty large for the week, but not large enough to make it to top 10 territory as chosen by you out there via the Internet. So what stories are in the top 10? We'll talk about those in just a moment here on the Weekly Rapid Show from This is a Conversation for the week ending May 26, 2018. And welcome to the show. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne, your host for All Things Coming From This is the Conversation.com and the show, the weekly wrap up show. And if you are a regular, it's after a short of quick, unannounced hiatus, unexpected stop cap in the work process kept us from getting anything done last week. So we are refreshed. We are back. We're renewed. We're coming in with a strong sense of purpose and a few days extra to think about our actions and hopefully reflect on some greater things to come. Now, why are you here? Hopefully you're here because you enjoy this conversation and all the conversations we have inside our social media and of course on our website. This is a com. What we have for this show is all week long, we go through all the great stories and some not so great stories and some in between stories and post them via our social media feeds and our website so that you can get a chance to tell us which ones are most important. And it's very simple. Follow us on Facebook at this is a conversation. Follow us on Twitter at th underscore conversation. And as you see our stories pop up into your news feed, they come in from various different news sources and they're mostly replicable. We go for the best ones we can, and sometimes we do fringe a bit, but you find the story. You see the story. If you like it, if you love it, you hate it, if you want to reply to it, you want to react to it anyway, you want to share it, you do that. And the more interactions you give to a particular story, the higher it gets a ranking more counts into its engagement. And at the end of the week, we put it in a spreadsheet. We do some addition. There's some division and there's somewhere. I think Abacus is involved somehow. And we get a ranking from top to bottom, this week from 1 to 119, 119 separate stories posted throughout the week, and we'll give you in this first segment the top 10 stories, counting them down from 10 to 1. In the middle segment, we don't have an interview again today, and it may be a while before we get a chance to work that in there. We're so glad to get a couple of interviews back into the saddle, and we're working on timing to make that happen as a better result. But we'll do some serious housekeeping on how we may be taking this this show uh, in not quite a different direction, but some different things we may be doing to liven it up to make it ready for radio. As I said, one of my main goals is to get this on some radio stations, and there's a couple of bits of feedback I've gotten, so we may do some shifting on there, and it's going to stay in the time allotted. Meanwhile, we're going to hopefully stay in time allotted. That's an issue as well. And in the final segment, we will wrap up with all the things we missed, including uh, 119, the almost relevant story this week, the story with the lowest ranking inside the eight-ish days we have to play with. Plus, we round out the top 15 stories that almost made into the top 10 and get in as many other headlines as we possibly can as time a lot. So let's go ahead and get in with the show today, starting with number 10. This story sourced from Reuters, but unless you've been living under volcanic rock for a while and out of the news loop, you've heard about what's going on in Hawaii. The headline for this one at number 10 is Hawaii Reports First Serious Injury from Volcano. Reading a quick bit from the actual article that we had, which we posted, by the way, on Sunday, Sunday, the 20th of May. Here's a little bit from that article. A stream of lava blocked a Hawaii highway on Sunday that swerves as a escape route for coastal residents while the first known serious injury was reported from fresh explosion eruptions from the Kilauea volcano. A homeowner on Noni Farms Road who was on the third floor balcony and had his leg shattered from his shin to his foot when hit by a lava splatter, said Janet Snyder, a spokesperson for the Office of the Mayor County of Hawaii. She added the lava splatters, quote, can weigh as much as a refrigerator and even small pieces of splatter can kill, unquote. No other information was immediately available. Now, this, of course, brought up the whole lava bomb uh, th- uh, thing that popped up across the week where bombs of lava, literally lava splattering into the air and hitting things and blowing up like little bitty bombs. And, of course, we also got the term that was uh of, of of flays lays lays lava and haze. When the lava that was coming down the volcano was finally reaching the ocean, was turning into a haze, mixing lava with haze and causing issues such as volcanic sulfuric acid being spattered into the air and tiny shards of glass from the hot molten lava hitting the cold water, uh, becoming an, an issue for tourism. Now, the other thing about this issue is, the mayor of Hawaii is saying that. I'm sorry, the the, the governor of Hawaii uh, saying that the Big Island is still open for business, still open for tourism, even though this national park where all the volcanoes are coming from, a lot of it's coming from, is obviously closed because of issues at that location. Moving on to the number nine story for this week. Headline, security troops on U.S. nuclear missile base took LSD. Posted on Thursday, May 24th, this story gets a 4.26% bump in response. That's what you responded to, so you liked that one, or at least responded to it that much more than the last one. Here's a quick read from that article we sourced that from the AP. Washington, one airman said he felt paranoia. Another marvel at the vibrant colors. A third admitted, I absolutely just loved altering my mind. Meet service members entrusted with guarding nuclear missiles that are among the most pop- powerful in America's arsenal. Air Force records obtained by the Associated Press show that they bought, distributed, and used hallucinogen LSD, and other mind-altering legal drugs as part of a ring that operated undetected for months on a highly secure military base in Wyoming. After investigators closed in, one airman deserted to Mexico. Of course he would. A quote: Although this sounds like something from a movie, it isn't. Said Captain Charles Grimsley, the lead prosecutor of one of the several court-martialed. A slip up on social media by one airman enabled investigators to crack the drug ring at F.E. Warren Air Force Base in March 2016. Details on which are reported here for the first time. 14 airmen were disciplined. Six of them were convicted in courts martial of LSD use or distribut- distribution say that three times fast, or both. A number eight story this week also sourced from AP, although it was, of course, everywhere and also posted on Thursday, May 24th, Trump pardons late boxer Jack Johnson. This one gets a bumper response from The Nine, a 5.1%. Here's a bit from that article from that day. President Donald Trump on Thursday granted a rare posthumous pardon to boxing's first black heavyweight champion, clearing Jack Johnson's name more than 100 years after what many see as a racially charged conviction. The quote, I am taking this very righteous step, I believe, to correct a wrong that occurred in our history and to honor the truly legendary boxing champion. Uh, Unquote. Trump said during the Oval Office ceremony, he was joined by WBC heavyweight champions Deontay Wilder, retired heavyweight title holder Lennox Lewis and, of course, actor Sylvester Stallone, whom Trump credited with championing the pardon. Trump said Johnson had served 10 months in prison, quote, for what many view as a racially motivated injustice, unquote. Another quote from the president. It's my honor to do this. It's about time. We do believe it's about time. This is something that people believe that President Barack Obama should have done. It would have sort of made sense in that case, something that people believe that should have been done way back in the Clinton days. But it's took a long time and maybe there's more politically charged issues in this than we think. Uh, Maybe it's because Trump won meets versus alone. Maybe Trump wanted some sort of diversion to other things going on. But Trump, who is big on spectacle and big on shows, put a big spectacle in a show on this, although it is something that was truly needed. Of course, what he was charged for was taking his white girlfriend across eight lines for cruel acts or basically sex acts, things like that. So that was what he was charged with. He spent this 10 months in prison of a 12-month sentence. And, of course, he died in the 40s. Our next story is in the seventh spot, but it's a virtual tie with the number eight story. It gets a bump in response of zero, actually, but gets slightly responsible for having a higher count with engagement. The numbers get skewed back and forth, so it's slightly higher, even though the actual number count is exactly the same. But here's the headline. 21-year-old Gleber Torres homers twice off of 44-year-old Bartolo Colon. Uh, this story we received from the MSM sports page, but this also all over the place. And let me read from this one because this is a very interesting one. And it shows that, yes, we all get older and sometimes our age does catch up to us in odd ways. Yankees second baseman Gleber Torres was born December 13, 1996. That year, Bartolo Colon, who turns 45, years old on Thursday was wrapping up a season he spent at Double-A Canton Akron and Triple-A Buffalo. He would de- debut in the majors the following April. So the year that Torres was born was the year of the debut for Bartolo Colon. Let's go to the next paragraph. In a clash of generations, the 21-year-old Torres and Cologne squared off on Monday as the Yankees visit the Rangers. Torres won the battle twice, drilling a two-run home run off Cologne in the second inning and a solo shot off Cologne in the fourth. Cologne wound up giving up six runs in total on eight hits, including four homers, and a walk with four strikeouts in five and in third innings. So there you go. It is a testament to age. We all eventually give up to uh, the battle with Father Time, who was obviously undefeated in all cases. But it also shows the generations that are coming up can be a little bit stronger and can really kind of get under your skin. Literally, the day that Torres was born, um, Bartolo Colon was getting ready to get, take make his Major League debut. So 21 years into the Majors, a 200-year-old is um, showing him up on the mound. Another story we seem to source from MSM Sports. This seems to be a big hit for this week. This one came out on Wednesday, May 23rd. The headline is Milwaukee Police Release Footage of Cop using taser on Sterling Brown. This one gets a bump of response from the seven eight of one point nine four percent. That's a jump into the sixth spot here. Reading from the article that we have. From MSN Sports, Milwaukee Police Department released on Wednesday highly anticipated body camera footage of one of its officers using a taser to subdue Milwaukee Bucks guard Sterling Brown in a Walgreens parking lot early this year, and said it determines members of its force acted quote inappropriately. Police Chief Alfonso Morales said officers quote were recently disciplined unquote without providing details. Officers used a taser to an arrested Brown, now 23, in the early hours of January 26. after the arresting officer noticed the athlete's car parked across two handicapped parking spaces at a local Walgreens. Soon after, the officer later wrote in a police report, Brown emerged from the store and stood within arm's reach of him, refused to repeatedly, request to step back, and became, quote, very aggressive more from the article because this was a big deal the officer subsequently called for backup after which Brown physically resisted officers attempts to handcuff him and was taken to the ground in a controlled manner, the officer said in the report Brown continued to resist while on the ground and as a result the officer said a taser had to be emptied to get Brown in control with handcuffs. Brown was booked and received a $200 parking ticket. But after looking at the reports and body camera footage, authorities decided against the arresting policeman's request to have Brown charged with obstructing an officer. An internal affairs investigation was opened soon after, as one would expect. So, a double uh, parking violation, parking doubly in a handicapped spot, uh, got a NBA superstar tased. Yes, that happened here in America. We move on to our number five story this week. This gives a bumper response, 126.6% from the sixth story. And trust me, the numbers get even crazier from there going on to number one. Let's start off with this one where we're at, the number five story. The headline we have, Baltimore County Police Officer Shot and Killed, Governor says. So said, posted on Monday, May 21st. This is the article that we got it from, CNN, from their website, A bit from the article, a Baltimore County police officer was shot and killed Monday afternoon in Perry Hall, a community northeast of Baltimore, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan said on Twitter. Suspects are still at large, according to Baltimore County Police Chief Terrence Sheridan. The incident took place around 2 p.m. when the officer responded to a 911 call about a possible burglary with four suspects, Sheridan said. While the governor said the officer died from the shooting, the police chief said the nature of the officer's injuries are unknown until the medical examiner does an autopsy and determines a cause of death. The officer was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead at 2.50 p.m., according to CNN affiliate WJZ-TV. Sheridan said the officer was wearing the activated body camera that investigators are examining. Quote, we are now investigating this as a homicide, Sheridan said in a press conference Monday evening. Suspects are believed to be armed and dangerous. There's no real update to this one, so we don't know the full story or fuller story past this, but we received this one, and this was just one of many deadly stories that were on this week, and most of them on the high end of the top 10. We'll see that come moving forward in just a minute. Now we're on to the four story for this week. This gets a bump, a response of 2.52% from the five The headline, former Russian spy Sergei Sherpa discharged from hospital. Friday, May 18th was the day we posted this one. Here's what we have from USA Today. Former Russian spy Sergei Sherpa has been discharged from a British hospital more than two months after he was poisoned with nerve agent officials say Friday. Sherpa, 66, and his daughter, Yula, 33, were found unresponsive on a bench in Salisbury in southern England on March 4th. The two were taken to Salisbury District Hospital in critical condition, Yulia Serpa was discharged from the hospital last month. Salisbury District Hospital announced Friday that the, both patients have been released. The father and daughter have been taken to an undisclosed location for their safety. Now, the backstory on this, I won't go into the full article we have, but the backstory is the fact that Sherpa, uh, which I'm totally butchering, is a former Russian spy. We said it in the article. And because of that, the Russians don't really like him living freely in London. And so they found a way to get at him, and they've been doing this thing pretty recently. The nerve agent thing is kind of their current little deal, maybe because it worked so well for Kim Jong-un killing his half-brother that, you know, the Russians say, hey, this thing might be something worth doing. And so they found a way to discharge or give the nerve agent to the spy and his daughter, ...who almost died from the incident. As we said, the number four story for this week is the Russian spy. He's now at the hospital doing much better, but we can't tell you where he is because, well, one attempt at his life is more than enough. We will cover the big school shooting in just a moment. It turned into a super story, and we'll get into how that happened as we get there. But first... What looked like to be a very quick copycat uh, turned into something a little different, but still uh, just as violent and deadly. The original headline, multiple people shot at Mount Zion High School, police say. The updated headline was two arrested in shooting near Clayton County School after graduation. This story is the number three for the week. It gets a bumper response in four at 34.84%. We posted this on Friday, May 18th. So let's get to the story. We got this from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's website. Here is the updated story. Clayton County Police have made two arrests in Friday night deadly shooting in a parking lot across the street from Mount Sinai High School. The names of those arrested and the charges are not being released, as additional charges are expected, Clayton Police Spokeswoman Officer Marcia Davis said. One woman was killed, another was injured when gunfire was exchanged around 8 p.m. The lot at the high school was being used as the overflow parking for the Perry Career Academy graduation at the Clayton County Performance Arts Center, which is across the street on Mount Sin Parkway. Perry Career Academy is an alternate high school in Jonesboro. The ceremony had recently ended when the women were shot, but the incident was not related to the graduation of the high school, according to the school district. So while we thought initially this was posted as a school shooting late at night, and then we heard it was at a graduation ceremony. We're finding out that it was not so much related to the graduation ceremony or the school, yet still a very, very dangerous situation. So thoughts and prayers go out to all the people dealing with the aftermath in that response. Unfortunately, the headlines get deadlier and deadlier as we get closer to the top. Let's go to the number two story right now. Originally posted, Panama City Police Respond to Shooter Barricaded in Apartment Complex. This was updated to this. Florida police report two dead after standoff at Panama City apartment complex. The update to the story. The gunman was found dead and after soaking his apartment with gasoline. That's in the line there. More from the story from the Huffington Post. That's the source we got from this one. A Florida man suspected of killing one person and injuring another has died inside an apartment complex in Panama City. The Bay County Sheriff's Office responded to Huffington Post. Authorities were surveilling Kevin Holdroyd's home In connection to a homicide in nearby Walton County earlier on Tuesday, city officials confirmed to HuffPost. The Walton County Sheriff's Office identified the victim on Twitter as 30-year-old Clinton Street in Santa Rosa Beach. B.S.C.O. and Panama City Police Department were watching Holroyd's residence on Beck Avenue when another resident of the Briarwood Apartments reported smelling gas fumes. Upon approaching Holroyd's home to investigate, the suspect fired upon law enforcement officials from a second-story window and began an hour-long standoff with authorities. Photos from local publications showed police officers lying on the ground and taking cover behind vehicles with guns drawn. The scene of the shooting was roughly 40 miles southeast is where street's body was discovered earlier Tuesday. Multiple agents responded to the scene, including Florida's Fish and Wildlife and Florida Highway Patrol turned the standoff. So this became a very, very big thing. Uh, it goes into dig- bigger details of the full story, the full standoff, just the craziness that went on that day. Posted on Tuesday, May 22nd, and this one was also a pretty big jump from the three, 18.54% from that story. Uh, it just seemed like a very deadly, just very deadly, deadly weekend. We couldn't really explain it. And then, of course, we'll get to the number one story, which is actually a super story for this week. We combine two headlines. Headline number one, shooter reported at Texas Santa Fe High School. And number two, Texas school shooting suspect identified as 17-year-old Demetrios Pagorturis. Uh, They were, together, the top two Twitter stories, and combined, they were a super story. This one gets a bump in response from the number two story of 184.87%. From the number 10 story, which was the person injured in Hawaii's volcanic activity, that bumped up by 1,000%, 103367 And from the 119, almost relevant story, that one is 11,010% jump in response. And we'll talk about that story, of course, in the third segment. But we told you the two headlines we used uh, initially when it came out. This is the headline that changed from the number, the second headline that, that reportedly gave the name of the boy. It actually changed the headline to, in the update, Student Kills 10 at Texas School Says He Targeted Kids He Didn't Like. This is coming from USA Today. Here are some details from the story, this second iteration of the story. A shotgun-toting teenager opened fire at a Texas high school Friday, killing at least 10 people and leaving a cache of explosives in and around the area. Nine students and one adult were killed at Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas. Amid gunfire that erupted before classes began, a law enforcement official not authorized to comment publicly told USA Today. The suspect was later taken into custody. Ten other people were wounded, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said during an afternoon news conference. Quote from the governor, We come together today as we deal with one of the most heinous attacks that we've ever seen in the history of Texas schools. It's impossible to describe the the magnitude of the evil of someone who would attack innocent children at the school. The attack once again heated up opinions about gun control laws and how to stop America's gun violence. As we said, this was two stories in one put together. There actually were some other headlines attached to this or around this subject that we didn't add in here. Because we didn't think it would make that much difference. They were pretty much middle of the road of what was going on totally. But because these two stories are literally one and two and were so high in the response, we made went ahead and made them a super story and put it out for there. As you may have noted, there was no high Facebook story in the top ten. We'll discuss that uh, in just a bit and get into some other things with our housekeeping for the week. So thank you for, of course, helping us make this top ten the most important stories, as we say, as per you. And we don't just say that. We make that happen, or you make that happen, by just following us on social media. Twitter and Facebook, you respond, you react, you reply to the stories, and those interactions Give us what's the most important stories of the week, not just what the chirons are stuck on on TV. Because, yeah, we know that Trump did a thing. Trump does lots of things. He even did a thing in the top 10 this week. But it wasn't the thing you were expecting, if that makes any sense. You make this thing happen by following us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation and on Facebook at This Is A Conversation, making sure that our notifications are live and local and ready for you to see. And when you see those stories, you react to them as often, as much, as fervently as you want to, and they get into the algorithm to tell us what's in the top 10. Coming up, some housekeeping and some how we're going forwards in just a bit here for the weekly wrap-up show from me, Jay Cleveland Payne, and ThisIsAConversation.com. It's been a while before I did any hyping of the website this is the conversation.com the main website because we've been doing some changes some shifting some meandering some, micking, some mucking around to be honest on the purpose of the site and what we do for our full mission. We've put more focus on this podcast and reaching out to the community for you, but we're now starting to reach back out and look for more people to do the survey stuff. We have well we we've didn't really kill the survey panel but We're looking to do more things that are more informal type surveys. We're looking for more informational surveys. We're not going to do as many of the paid things. People who are in it are still in it to take care of what's going on. But we're trying to find more informational surveys to help you and get better stories. We want to do more journalistic things, if you will. So we'll be reaching out to you in the upcoming weeks on how we can do that. We'll be sending out surveys to all of you in various ways to find out how we can get in contact with you to talk about things. We'll do the same topics all sorts of type of topics. What are your views on things? Where's the slant we should look at too? And what things should we check in out more often? Now, while that was not quite grammatically correct, I think you get what I'm saying here. We want to have more conversations, more great conversations, but we need to know how those conversations should be led. We know how the stories of the week are led because we come up with a stories listing. We put them out there and you can respond to those. But we want to get your direct response on direct issues, and we'll be doing that very soon. So look out very soon for information on how you can be a part of these new surveys. Now, remember, this is not the survey panel. This is not the get paid to do survey panels we had for a while. But this is a way to get in touch with you and have more conversations and hopefully get more of you in our conversation Facebook group for more extra chatty stuff there. So look out for that. You can look for our Facebook group and maybe start from there. But look out for more of us asking more of you in the upcoming weeks. Our last interview segment had a man named Chuck Walters on. He is a part of a podcast called Rants and Raves. And he has a very striving, a very vibrant community with his co-host, Karen. And they do a lot of back and forth and a lot of really detailed stuff. If you haven't checked out the Rants and Raves podcast, this is one where I heard one episode, uh, picked it up as I do randomly from some of the other podcast groups I'm on on Facebook and other places, but this was one where I turned it on and listened to a full episode without stopping. It was probably 30, 35 minutes or so without interruptions and instantly started tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, telling folks about it. And when they put a link to join the group, I gladly accept it uh, because I also jazzed about it. It's the most fair and balanced and used on purpose um, podcast there. So, there's another plug for Ransom Reasons Podcast. Go find it. It's on Podbean. It's on Stitcher. It's on um, iTunes, wherever you want to look for there. In the meantime, we had an issue with that interview, and the issue was the fact the interview was extremely long. Uh, I've been working to tighten up things, and brevity has been the buzzword here. Uh, but we had two big issues with brevity. Number one, the segment one, the top ten segment, was kind of long. The interview was very long and very interesting. So even though I chopped out a good couple minutes of it, the timing or the uh, the timeout for the podcast suffered for it. We didn't do the running out of time headlines because we are already past time by the time we got there. So we basically just did the almost relevant story and the top 15 stories and moved on from there. Now, remember, if you are a longtime listener to the program, We've been trying to put this show on the radio. I am a radio person. That's what I do. And my big goal is to make this something I can use for a radio broadcast. And in the process, bring more people in on conversations to build up the overall This is a Conversation brand. There have been some feedback from some stations, including some people I work with on how to make this work. And we'll be doing some tweaks and some twinges inside the next couple of weeks. One thing that will probably happen because I don't think I can shorten the time in the first segment is we'll probably turn this to a four segment show. It'll be a top five or I guess 10 to six, then five to one and then the interview or housekeeping and then the wrap up segments. Just because the timing and the flow, uh, the first, Having the first 25 minutes or something being a full segment, without a break, makes it very hard for some stations to get in their time, even though we built in enough time for them to have plenty of commercials, which is also the issue. We'll still have the same amount of time limit on it, 46 minutes or technically 45.50, so there's 10 seconds for an ID there. That's essentially what we're looking at, how to make that work to our advantage, keeping things going. We like the way things go. The biggest issue is getting more interviews because it's the interviews, I believe, that makes this thing really special. It's great to have you guys pick and choose the stories that go into it, but the fact that we do the brackets game in the interview segment, and it's a chance to do interviews with various people, it's a great thing for the podcast. Now, the big hang-up on this is the fact that they have to be people who are kind of knowledgeable about a good chunk of the news, and you've seen from or heard from some people who really aren't that knowledgeable. Luckily there's something in there that catches their attention that they can talk to. That's why we take the diversity of figuring out which stories come from you and then parsing them out. So they get a chance to pick from the list and not just talk about all the stories or we'd be here all day long. So we're working, not even behind the scenes with you, I guess. And we're working to send out information from you, how things work out. But we're probably going to turn this thing into a four-segment show, so I have to do some some finagling, some maneuvering for that one, which, yeah, might mean more commercial breaks, more interruption breaks inside the show. But the timing of the show will still be the same amount of content and live read commercials inside of the content, about 45, 50 there. That's something we're working at. We're also looking for interviewers or interviewees, people to be interviewed. I guess I'm the interviewer. So if you are a listener or you are a person who knows some people who are into the news and news podcasts and just current events, or they just want to sell something, I'm down with that. If you want to promote something, here's a way to promote something to a diverse audience that is literally global. Uh, Some of the bigger numbers we have, oddly enough, come from Australia, Australia but we have a lot of numbers that come from the um, European uh, places and some from some Asian um, spots that you would not believe. We are pretty big in Indonesia. I'm not sure why that is, but we apparently are. Uh, We've had some very major stories pop up from the the areas there, a lot of Bollywood-type stuff. And I think a lot of it pops up on the stories that we have and because we're placing more stories in the wee hours of the times where I live in Central Time, which is basically middle of the day, On the other side of the world, even though the stories may be, uh, you know, a day or or a day and a half behind, in some cases, by the time we get here, there's still big stories around the pond or across the way or however you want to say it. So that's how it's there. So until I can get my tour stops going and hit all the great spots around the world and really show what we have to get going on, all I can do is rely on you. So. Another bit of behind the scenes stuff is that we're doing some consolidating for the business side of what I have going on uh, to keep make a long story very short. I've been contrasting, contracting a lot of things to make things work out. Some things are actually working very well that we just sort of put the kibosh on to let some other things grow a little better. And some things weren't working as great as they should have. So to contact me directly to me. the best way to do it is to go via the main website jluvenpae.net that will be alive for as long as I can long as I can keep it going. but we have gotten rid of some of the back office work there. so email me at jluvenpae at gmail.com for a while. We're gonna pay for the back office again in a bit. We're just doing some reshuffling and Gmail is cheap, free, cheap. And It's simple and easy and all my other emails basically gets funneled into that address as as anywhere, any, any, anyway. So I'm basically shuffling through that all day long, checking for things and making it work out. So just send it there and we'll work it from there. I hope I'm not missing anything important. If I have, uh, you guys can let me know, of course, at jcleanpain at gmail.com and just thank you once again for being a part of what's going on and listening to what we have going on and giving responses. I've really loved the replies and the responses and ratings and reviews we got off of iTunes the last couple of weeks. We were able to get into some some groups where we were able to kind of share the love of the show and gives and give some straight critiques to some other podcasters. So in that way, we expanded on the knowledge and people out there and we're doing more things to reach out to you guys as well. So in the next segment, and we're going to keep it in the last segment to keep people listening. Although, yeah, I know you can fast forward. In the next segment, we're going to uh, shout out to some Twitter and some Facebook users. We're going to give you the almost relevant story of the week, number 119, what it is and why it may or might actually be important. Round out the out 15 and get in as many headlines as possible. Once again, as I used to say all the time, I don't say as much as I did, but still really mean it in my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure you share us with some friends some enemies, and random strangers to get more people into the conversation as much as possible. Coming up, segment number three, or is it? In just a bit, from the weekly wrap-up show from thisisaconversation.com. Smart speakers, smart TVs, smart watches, smart clocks, smart TVs, we've said that already, smart refrigerators. So many devices are coming up that are quote-unquote smart, that means they are internet enabled, the Internet of Things, if you will, that you may have some issues with all these things talking to each other or talking the right way to themselves and eventually to you. It's not just as simple as plugging up and letting the Internet fix it these days. Sometimes it takes a little bit of extra effort to get the right things going the right way and the right communication lines in all the smart things talking. So they talk to you the right way. And Pulse can help you out. Pulse started out as a company that showed up to do your cell phone repair on instantly. You called them up, they came in, they fixed it, they walked away. They added into plenty of great features and plenty of great services, including setting up TVs and smart speakers and home systems and networks of all sorts. So all you do is make one call and you tell them what items you have to be connected. They connect them, they set them up, they do what they need to, and of course, they still fix cell phones. So, if you want to get a little help and get all your smart things smarter, then just contact Pulse and they'll take care of it. And the best way to do that is through us. Go to this is the conversation.com slash P U L S. This is the conversation.com slash P U L S for a great deal on great setups for home setups and just repairs of various smart things from Pulse. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of the conversations we have all week long, 24-7, via our social media sites at Twitter and Facebook, or at least our social media feeds on those sites. Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation, and Facebook, it's This Is The Conversation. Make sure we are set to come up in your feed as things go live. We'll post stories all day long, and you can tell us whether they're good, bad, or ugly by just saying good, bad, or ugly, responding to them, and they get into the top ten list, and they get counting all the way down from number one to today's Almost relevant story, which is actually at number one nineteen. So here is the headline for that story. It goes something like this: Director of Federal Prisons resigns after clashes with Kushner. Sessions says report. This posted this morning. The one, the last post we had this morning, which tends to be where the ones come in. They're the latest posts that come into the system, and they don't have a lot of time to germinate. So maybe this thing will grow over the past seven days, next seven days. Probably not as low as it was from this morning. A response so low because it was hundred or 11,010 less than the number one story this week. The story is posted on the Hill. Posted to the website actually yesterday evening as recorded on Friday mornings. And we didn't get it in until early Friday. So not a, lot, not a time to gestate. But a couple of quick lines from the story. The Director of Federal Bureau of Prisons reportedly resigned last week amid tensions with Senior White House Advisor Jared Kushner and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. New York Times reported Thursday that Mark Inch submitted his resignation while complaining that Kushner and Sessions had cut him out of the major decisions that flouted, quote, departmental norms, unquote. Sessions hired Inch last August, praising the retired Army general's uh, qualifications for the role. However, Inch allegedly struggled to navigate his position as Kushner and Sessions each pushed for their preferred reforms, that's what it is, to the prison system. As you expect, the people who are actually in charge want to push their route as opposed to letting the guy they put in place make the thing happen. For guys like that, including especially high-ranking Army officials, they're not big fans of being told what to do all the time, especially when their job is to supposedly tell people what to do. So didn't work out so well for that. White has, or White hasn't, his name isn't White, his name is actually Inch. Inch has left the building. Let's just move on. running out the top uh, 15 stories, stories that didn't quite make it into the top 10, and then we'll get to as many of the stories we have time for per headlines. This one headline reads, Barack and Michelle Obama strike a multi-year production deal with Netflix. We got that off of CNN, but this, of course, another one that was big everywhere. Oddly enough, the Obamas aren't hurting for jobs and money after their stint You say their stint as eight years in the president and White House jobs. They now will work both in front and behind the camera in a multi-year production deal with Netflix. They're going to produce some things and they're going to be in some things. Something Barack Obama said in a speech yesterday is going to use his new position, his new uh, role, if you will, to highlight some stories of people who aren't getting the attention. Essentially uh, do some social justice stuff as a way to combat the social justice being undone by Donald Trump as he tries to basically undo all administration things from Obama's administration. We will we'll see, as we often say, how that all works out. Moving on to what was the 12 story this week. And this was the story wrapping up, although it was early in the week, uh, the culmination of joy and love. That was the wedding between Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. The headline we put down Prince Charles who walked Meghan Markle down the aisle at her wedding. Part at wedding to Prince Harry. Now, there was a whole lot of Prince Harry Meghan Markle wedding stuff going on, so, and that didn't get into the listing, but we're going to focus on this one because this was a very big thing. It was down to the last minute trying to figure out what was going to happen in this thing. Remember, Meghan Markle's father, who lives sort of secluded in Mexico, got duped by some some paparazzi guys to put up some fake pictures of him supposedly getting ready for the wedding and that got exposed as fake, and they exposed him as a fake, and they did all this stuff on there to find out that he was having heart surgery two days before the wedding was happened and couldn't come anyway. So the kerfuffle about whether the father was uninvited didn't really make a difference because he literally could not travel. There's a good bit of strife on both sides, but it's a little weirder on dad's side and mom's side, apparently. But we found out that Meghan Markle, of course, walked most of the way by herself. And then Prince Charles basically finished up the act, walking down the aisle. Let's move to the number 13 story this week. Canada Restaurant Explosion, 15 people injured at Bombay Bell near Toronto. We go to CNN for this one with the updated headline, Two Men Wanted After a Blast Injures 15 People at a Restaurant Near Toronto. Of course, updated from the 10. Manhunt is on in Canada after two men detonated an improvised explosive device injuring 15 people late Thursday inside a restaurant in Mizgonga, Ontario, near Toronto. Police said, quote, There's no indication this is a terrorist attack. There's no indication that this is a hate crime. Peel Regional Police Chief Jennifer Evans said during Friday morning's news conference, at this time, we haven't ruled out anything as we start our investigation. We posted this one, oddly, on Friday, May 25th, that of course being today. So something very big happening. Big enough to move into the top three. 15 number 13 exactly but not quite big enough to move into the top 10. Uh the number 14 story which is my favorite story of the week. It is the biggest Facebook story of the week. Unfortunately, it didn't have enough Facebook juice to pull it into the big top 10 and I would have loved to have this as a choice in the brackets if we had the brackets this week. This was just a story that was just too good to 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 live up to. In fact, I posted on my personal Facebook page a post as it came down when I saw the story, which had the clipping in there, that whoever you pray to, whatever deity, he, she, it that you want to pray to today, make sure you thank him for providing this clip and making sure this was put on video. Here's the headline as we posted it. The 30-year-old man still living in his parents' house appeared on CNN, and it was painfully awkward. We talked about Michael Rotondo, the 30-year-old man who lives in upstate New York, who is battling with his parents to basically stay at their house. He's been living there about eight years, not paying rent, not doing very much, not really getting a job. And there's a lot of deep underlying issues with Rotondo, on top of the fact that his parents want him to move out of the house because they've asked him to pay rent, they've asked him to contribute, and he doesn't. He pays, basically buys his own food and does his own laundry. But that's essentially what is that going on. There's a lot going on, actually. He has a custody battle with the, the mother of his child going on right now and a lot of just odd things. But he doesn't want to move out of the house. He doesn't seem to want to work. He doesn't want to contribute anything financially to his parents. And they had to take him to court like old Judge Wapner style. And the court decided that he should be leaving the house. And so very soon he's going to be leaving the house But what made this whole story even weirder or worse or awesome, if you're like me, is that he went on um, television, the TV with CNN's Brooke Baldwin and Brooke Baldwin, did her standard straight up interview thing, and he was just weird. And this is one of those things where I'll talk about in my my Master Your Message course about open-ended questions or, or not asking open-ended questions. Essentially, you're not supposed to ask yes, no questions because people will say yes, no, and won't actually go into this, the question when real people who do interviews know how to follow up. This guy just did yes, no questions, two questions that were open-ended that allowed for him to explain it and he would just wouldn't answer very much. He stopped to drink a uh, bottle of water in the middle of uh, a sentence uh, and things like that. It, it It was painful. It was horrible. It was the most glorious interview I've seen in weeks on television. Moving on to the number 15 story this week, and this is another awesome story as well. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights are headed to the Stanley Cup Finals in the first year of existence. This is something that is amazing as a sports fan. We do a lot of sports here. It gets on here all the time. And as a somewhat hockey fan, I I watched during the playoffs and I watched the big storylines. Of course, here in the South, we had the Nashville Predators have their run about two years ago. Uh, The world itself and the Stanley Cup Fighters, the, the the hockey fans are very much um, either stunned. Well, they're all basically stunned. They're either all for it or up in arms because this expansion team, the first to ever go to a championship game in their first year in any sport, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, playing in Las Vegas, playing as a bunch of scrappy players who all thought they were castoffs, are have a chance to win. Now, here's the other thing: the the Washington Capitals with Alex Ovechkin, who is the only guy basically second to Sidney Crosby, which is saying a lot for those two guys, who basically doesn't get a chance to play for any titles because he always gets bounced pretty early. This is the first time he's made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he essentially is well, should be the hero, but he's set up to play the villain if they can beat the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights is maybe set up for bandwagon status, but you know what? There's always a few extra seats on a bandwagon, if you know what I mean. And if you know what I mean about time, we are all out of time. So no other extra headlines for today. Got a little long in the back segment. Well, that was weird. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversations and the weekly wrap up show to be in it to make sure your vote counts. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook TH underscore conversation. And this is a conversation respectively. And make sure you react to the stories as they come down your feed. Share the feed, share the story, share the love, share the podcast with friends, enemies, and random strangers so we have more people conversating and be here next week. Subscribe, like, love us so you can make more conversations.